All right, welcome to Run Past the Brain Cell. I'm Adam Skirko, joined by Jake Miller. And Jake, we're heading into week four of the NFL season. How are we feeling so far? Eh, pretty good. I mean, my Packers just got pantsed on Thursday Night Football, but I picked them to lose. I mean, when Joe Barry can't decide what the fuck he wants to do to stop the run, and Jerry Jacobs just decides to pick off my quarterback twice, eh, yeah, I kind of expect it. Yeah, Jerry Jacobs was getting absolutely picked on as well, and then... He got you guys right back, and he sealed that game with that pick, and that running game was fierce. The Lions, they're legit, but we're going to start things off before we head into week four. We got to take a look back at week three with our Eyes on Five recap, and the first game of that, Jake, was Saints-Packers. I told you that I trusted your Packers in that game, I did not trust the Saints, even though they were 2-0. and And for some reason, I was right. And I know that Derek Carr did get hurt. It was unfortunate. I was visibly shocked about the fact that there wasn't a roughing the passer on that. Because I thought his head bounced off of the turf or the grass. But with him getting knocked out and they were leading 17 to nothing james winston vomited all over himself 10 is 16 for 101 and no touchdowns no picks he only got sacked once but it didn't matter the packers rallied back for 18 points in the fourth quarter to win it 18 to 17 and jake what i liked about this is jordan love showed some heart here now he didn't face a whole lot of pressure but he showed that he can absolutely make plays, and this team absolutely believes in him. And he was the leading rusher. This running game, they only got 95 yards rushing on the ground, and Jordan Love led it with 9 carries for 39 yards and a key rushing touchdown. Romeo Dobbs, he really, really stepped up. I was very impressed with Romeo Dobbs, especially because of the fact that that touchdown catch they had tried earlier in the game and love just plain missed him but credit to Dobbs who ran the same route perfectly and love he threw a laser right into Dobbs hands and made sure to get his feet in bounds I really liked how your defense played they got four sacks in total and Rashawn Gary with three of them Jake he's back Thank God for that. I've missed my boy, and I think having him finally back and Lucas Van Ness on both edges is going to do some damn good work. Quay Walker actually looked pretty good. He didn't look like he shit the bed, and hopefully the way he plays kind of keeps up, and he can be a leader for that defense. Not having high hopes on that, but... Hey, if it works, it works. My thing that I love is uh, Jane Reed. The Rook had three for 63. He's not going to get a lot of targets or yards, or mostly a lot of targets or catches like Romeo, Musgrave, or Watson when he comes back fully healthy is. But he's going to be your chunk play guy in the slot. And he's shown that the last few games that he can play that style. He's only averaging three to four catches a game, but the rookie is doing pretty good. He already has 203 receiving yards on the season. Yeah, and he is playing very well. He's definitely popping off the screen. You definitely notice his presence when he's on the field 
and his speed he actually has some pretty sneaky speed i didn't think he was all that fast and then on the saints side you need alvin kamara back in the worst way and you really need jamal williams they ran 22 times for only 77 yards and kendra miller he doesn't look like he can play now olave played well jake we even had a jimmy graham touchdown sighting is this must be 2013 I wanted to give props to Alante Taylor, who played his ass off in this game. I mean, five tackles, one sack, he had five passes defensed. He was playing very, very well at the corner position. And I thought that he basically was keeping him, he was keeping them in the game as far as that defense is concerned because they just were not playing, they could not do anything. In that fourth quarter you would have thought that they would have been able to stop them when they went for two but it was just nothing and i was very impressed with the packers we'll talk about how they played on thursday night football here in a moment but i think the future is bright for this packers team i don't i can't say the same though about the saints and Derek carr i think the saints are going to be going against theirs themselves by kicking themselves in the ass a little bit they're going to go back to the ain'ts they're going to be pre- Drew Brees era, and it ain't going to be pretty for at least a couple of years, I think, unless they trade their future and get one of the top quarterbacks in this coming draft. I think that having a defensive head coach when you had one of the top offensive minds of the last 15 years, it's a massive shift. Their defense is still playing phenomenal. I mean, you had Pete Warner, Marshawn Lattimore, and their other corners, Alante Taylor and Isaac Edom. If you look at, like, passer rating allowed after week three, they were all in the top five for lowest passer rating allowed that for the week previous. So those three guys can play. And you can't forget about Honey Badger, because he will make you regret it if you do. Indeed he will. But moving on now to your first game, which was Falcons-Lions. Lions just absolutely shellacked them 20-6 in Detroit. What were your thoughts on that game? They couldn't get the run game going, and if the Falcons can't run, they're dead in the water. The fact that you saw Ritter throw 38 times is saying something. The guy can play, but he's not built, at least in his current structure and his playing career, he's not shown that he can throw it 35, 40 times a game and lead your team. You have to rely on that running game more, and the Lions shut it down. The Lions' defense did what they had to do, and they showed up. Jesse Bates is still showing that he's paying off that contract. Three picks now. A.J. Terrell looks to be pretty good back into shape. Jameer Gibbs having 80 rushing yards. I was really happy with that. He got the bulk share of the carries. Sure, Montgomery was out for the week, but... The Rook showed that he can have a good amount of rushing yards on middle amount of carries. Goff, unfortunately, the announcers had to speak up about the interception streak, and it got broke. He is still third all-time, if I remember right, behind Brady and Rodgers. But Goff is still showing that he is still acting like a top-12 quarterback, Sam Laporta, the rookie, can play. 
He is very shifty, and he's, I think, top three or top five in tight ends for receiving yards this season. Indeed, and I really like how they're using Sam Laporta. They're getting him involved plenty. It is telling to me, Jake, that in this game, you only had four people catch the ball, which lets me know that they didn't have a whole lot of people that they trusted to throw the ball to, but... I think that as far as Jared Goff goes, he he already lost that interceptionless streak against my Seahawks in week two. But I mean, 22 of 33, he's playing very well considering, I mean, 66% completions, nothing to sneeze at. Amon Ross St. Brown with nine catches, 102 yards. I think that is always good to see. You definitely want to get Amon Ross St. Brown involved because he plays hard and he plays angry. And that is exactly what you need. Now, on the Falcons' side, like you said, Desmond Ritter throwing the ball 38 times lets you know how dire this game was. They only ran the ball 20 times for 44 yards. Bijan had 10 carries for 33. They weren't getting anything going on the ground. And then you had Kyle Pitts, who finally got some love. He had nine targets, led the team in targets, which this is what fans of Kyle Pitts have been begging for throw him the ball use him because he is basically a six foot six wide receiver that you cannot cover he's a mismatch wherever he is on the field they even tried to hand the ball off to him now obviously I think that turnovers are definitely something that you have to keep an eye on because Ritter did lose a fumble Yes, Jesse Bates did have that pick, but I look at this Falcons team and I really do think that a lot of people who thought they had an easy schedule, I don't trust the Falcons because they play not to lose. They don't trust Desmond Ritter. I think Arthur Smith honestly is trying to draw plays with a Sharpie and he basically draws them up on an old-timey iPad. Yes, I think he actually uses a Sharpie on the iPad because this man is just not... I don't know what he thinks with his snap shares. He finally... Like I said, he finally targeted Kyle Pitts. Jake, I know a lot of people like Atlanta. I don't trust them. And I can definitely see where you're coming from because, yeah, like we both said, when Ritter is throwing 38 times a game... That means their run game's not working. Or Ritter is having a freaking hell of a day, which I believe that the run was shut down more than him having a hell of a day. But moving on to your second game, what was it again? I had the Chiefs-Bears. Now, this That's game... Yeah, I, I watched... I pretty much watched only half of this game. They actually flexed us out of this game after halftime because sometimes Fox will do that. If it's not a competitive game, they'll flex you out and you won't be watching that. I'm trying to remember what I ended up watching more of. I I think we got a little bit of Cowboys Cardinals. I watched that first half, Jake, and Justin Fields is just plain bad. He's just plain bad. I tried to give him a lot of benefit of the doubt in our last podcast when we talked about him calling out the coaches, quote-unquote. 
I brought up that I understood what he meant and I didn't think he was all that wrong. This did not help his case. They were down 41 to nothing before they finally scored because Blaine Gabbert threw two picks for from the Chiefs. That's literally what it came down to. When I look at the Bears, I just, I see dysfunction. Jake, think about this. Justin Jefferson is 24, and he already has more yards than any Bears receiver in the entire team's history. If that doesn't let you know how bad this entire team is with offense, I don't know what will. I can't name their best quarterback. I mean, what, Cutler? Johnny Lujak? Like, they don't have any understanding of offense, and their defense is atrocious. Now, credit to TJ Edwards. He had 17 total tackles. But, Jake, that's where we're at with them. And the Chiefs, they looked exactly like the Chiefs we'd expect. They, But they ran the ball 37 times, Jake, for 153 yards. Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they split and they combined for 117 yards and two touchdowns. I don't know how else you could talk about this game in any other way other than just a plain beatdown. And... The Bears knew that the Chiefs were trouble when they walked in. Yeah, the only thing that really came out of this game for the Bears was pretty much the picks that came off of Blaine Gabbert and Jack Sanborn actually showing up and getting one of those picks. But at that point when he came in, the game was already gone. I think that the Chiefs really showed that they can run the ball. You had 30 carries between Bacheco and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Not only a... 3.9 average between the two, but when you have Mahomes at quarterback, you can live with that. They both got a rushing touchdown too. Travis Kelsey getting almost 70 yards in the touchdown, and Jarek McKinney getting two receiving touchdowns. Really glad they decided to keep him. I really wish I picked him up in fantasy because I had told you that I thought about picking him up as a flex option for this exact reason. And now I'm kicking myself, but... Overall, Jake, I think the Chiefs are who we thought they were, and the Bears were vastly, vastly overvalued, and I have a small little bold prediction. If they get the number one overall pick, I could see him dealing fields for like a fourth or a fifth, because he has no value right now. He has none, and they will move forward with Caleb Williams, potentially with a new coach. Because Eberflus, who is a defensive guy, has no idea what he's doing. But, moving on to your second game, you had the Sunday night football game, Steelers-Raiders. Yeah, the game was interesting to say the least. (laughs) Pickett actually played pretty good. He played a clean football game. The accuracy wasn't there, 16 for 28, but two touchdowns, 235. Pretty good. The thing that worries me is that, again, they couldn't run the ball to save their life. 27 carries between Najee and Jalen Warren, only for 84 yards and a 3.5 average. The Raiders' run D is not that good. What are they doing? I don't know if it's just their running backs, if it's their interior, if it's just Matt Canada being Matt Canada, but 
Jeez. The only thing that really came out of this game that impressed me on the Steelers' side was the defense is still playing lights out. The Raiders? Devontae Adams is real. <laughs> That's the only consolation you guys really got is Devontae Adams is legit and Jacoby Myers is a hell of a number two. Besides that, your defense didn't do jack all except for Max Crosby getting a sack. Yeah, and you think about this, Jake. The Steelers' O-line is absolutely... It's trash. It's plain trash. They cannot block anyone. We've seen Pickett get absolutely hounded. And this Raiders' front, they don't have nobodies on it. And yet, they just could not get any pressure. Now, they had five quarterback hits, but he only sacked him once. Kenny Pickett is not all that athletic. He can run, but he's not that athletic. And Jimmy Garoppolo, porn star Jimmy, he might as well just start as a male stripper at this point. Because 28-44 for 324, that looks flashy, but he had three picks. And Josh McDaniels is... I think we have learned that Josh McDaniels should just have a placard on his desk that says, Former offensive coordinator, I should still be one. Because the idea that you kick a field goal, you're down eight, you kick a field goal, and your argument was, well, we needed another possession to win anyways. Here's the thing. If you go for it and you do not get it, you pin the Steelers inside the 10. If you go for it and you get it and you don't get the two-pointer, you're still going to have to kick an onside kick. Or you can kick it deep. You did have a fair amount of time left. But even still, if it's me, I'm going for it. I did not understand that. We were watching it and we were just like, why would he ever kick the field goal here? That, you still need a touchdown or you can try and tie it, go to overtime and win it. Now, also bringing up Pittsburgh, Jake, you were asking if it's just the running backs they have or if it's just Matt Canada. It's both. Najee Harris basically runs like he's underwater wearing cement blocks. And I don't understand why. You look at Najee Harris and everything about him says elite running back. He's a bust. He, he's a bum. He's not good. I think Jalen Warren should be the lead back moving forward. Because Najee Harris has shown us nothing absolutely nothing that lets us know that he was worthy of that number one pick. I think it's silly to keep trying to pound your head against this wall saying Najee's our guy when he's clearly not. Now, this defense is the only reason this team really won. You had four sacks, you had eight quarterback hits, and you had three interceptions without that you do not win this game to me jake i think the steelers are gonna have a chance in this division because of injuries if you're the raiders i'd be thinking that Devonte adams should get shipped out because you're not winning with him so what's the point in trying to win without him exactly there's been a lot of recent stuff about teams thinking that he could be available and i recently read an article the other day saying like hey he's one of the most looked at 
players that could be dealt by the deadline. I think it would make sense. You could probably still get a second, hell, maybe even a, a late first for the guy. Because he still is showing he is a top two, top three receiver in the league. And yeah, you're entirely right. That Steelers defense is the only reason they're staying in games. I think it's time to shut Jimmy G out and let's see what Aiden Aiden O'Connell, their rookie quarterback, can do. I like O'Connell a lot more because at least he's going to make stuff fun because he can stretch the field with his arm, unlike Garoppolo. Exactly, and he has mobility as well for a young guy. But Jake, moving on to our final game for our recap of week three of our Eyes on Five, we had Rams-Bengals, and I told you, Rams plus three, give me that all day. They do cover, but they lose the game 19 to 16. And Matthew Stafford just was playing off. He did not play well. He looked bad. To me, what I thought was even more telling though, Jake, they ran the ball only 13 times for 71 yards. Kyron Williams was the only running back who got touches. And yet he only had 10 carries for 38 yards. After the first two weeks, he was killing it. He had two game he had two straight games of multiple touchdowns. I don't know what was going on with the Rams, Jake. I didn't understand anything that they were doing. They used a good amount of motion, but the second that note boom went out, this game was over. They could not block this Cincinnati front. And when Stafford gets sacked six times, and you get two interceptions. The first one I definitely didn't think was a pick. And the second one, which bounces off a guy's bicep, it's just that it's just not your night. Puka Nakua, I mean, he was fantastic the first two weeks. And they they effectively neutralized him for about two and a half quarters. I just I didn't know what was going on. It felt like they weren't even trying to target him for a little while. He was second in targets with seven, and he had five catches. I would think you target him 10, 11 times, get him the ball. But, Jake, Joe Burrow, even injured, he did not play well, but he made plays to win the game. Now, they leaned on the running game a little bit more, and Mixon played well. But Jamar Chase, Jake, that LSU er, connection, that's the real deal. 12 catches for 141 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but... That, I think, was the difference in this game. That Cincinnati pass rush and the Burrow-to-Chase connection. Yeah, that front seven for the Bengals really did work. Logan Wilson getting two picks this game. And Trey Hendrickson showing out as well. You had DJ Reader and BJ Hill on that front coming up. And Daxton Hill showing the versatility that he can be a, he can go on a free safety blitz and get after the quarterback or stop the running back in the backfield. I thought that Jamar Chase needed a game like this to get going for later in the season. Hey, he had his game. 12 catches, 141 yards like you mentioned earlier. And the running game wasn't fantastic, but Mixon got 3.4 carry for 65 yards and a touchdown, so can't really complain about that. I just hope Burrow can rest easy on his leg this week and come back and be even more healthy. Especially with the fact that their games, Jake, they're not going to get easier. They're they're not. They're playing... Where is it here? They're playing the Titans. And the Titans, while they haven't played well, they're not bad. I don't think they're a bad team. They're very well coached. If I'm the Bengals fan, I'm 
I'm a little scared, especially because Burrow, he even said that there is a risk of re-injuring this calf. If I'm a Bengals fan, I still think you have him sit out for a week at least. Maybe two, but I think the win, them getting that win definitely saved their season, especially against a Rams team that was playing very, very well. But Jake, moving away from our eyes on five of week three, we're going to have to talk about the most exciting game of the week that was absolutely historic. And that is the Dolphins absolutely obliterating the Broncos 70 to 20 most points in a game since 1966. Just un unparalleled obliteration. What do you think? Oh, easy. When you have two running backs on the Dolphins going for a total of, what did they get? Eight touchdowns combined, five rushing, three receiving. Yeah, it's kind of showing that that defense with Vance Joseph, he needs to either get his shit going and packed or needs to really sit down with these guys and kind of think about what the hell's going on here. The Dolphins just absolutely murdered the Broncos, and I think Tua having... Hell, he had more touchdowns and incompletions. He nearly broke the franchise record for most passes to start a game completed. And this was Devon A. Chain's welcome to the NFL moment in a good way, not getting his ass kicked type of way. I thought it was just a shellacking, and I think Sean Payton got karma served on a silver platter. He really did. And Sean Payton, I want to take a moment and specifically address Sean Payton, Jay. Early in the offseason, he said that Nathaniel Hackett did one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history. Well, Mr. Sean Payton, Nathaniel Hackett, with as bad as he was, I've never seen Nathaniel Hackett give up 70 points in a game. And the amount of blame that I also still saw on Russell Wilson in this game blew my mind. 23-38 for 306, a touchdown and a pick. That pick was thrown, Jake, when the Dolphins already had 49 points. Russell Wilson had two touchdowns called back by a penalty from receiver Brandon Johnson. When I look at the Broncos, Jake, all I see is finger pointing. Now, you see, have Sean Payton calling out every single person when he's not calling out the right people. Why are you calling out Russ? He's playing probably as good as he can considering the circumstances. Now, he only got sacked once, Jake, but they had 13 quarterback hits. You cannot tell me that that O-line's holding up. Cortland Sutton played okay, but he had two fumbles that were very, very costly. And this defense, I don't care how bad you are. No sacks, one quarterback hit, and you guys flat gave up. Y'all quit, and it was pathetic. You guys were absolute trash. Now, on the Dolphins' side of things, Jake, there's no better team in the National Football League right now than the Miami Dolphins. Tua had more touchdowns than incompletions. Mike White had a touchdown. He had two passes, and he had a touchdown. Devon A. Chain 
like you said, this was his coming out party. 203 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And then he also has 30 yards receiving and two touchdowns. How much better can you have for a game? Raheem Mostert, who is injury riddled to shit. He had three rushing touchdowns and he also had a receiving touchdown. Tyreek Hill smoked this secondary. He was wide open nonstop. Nine catches for 157 yards and a touchdown. There is not a better team, Jake, than the Miami Dolphins right now. I love the Niners and what they're doing. I think that Philly, unbeaten, they're playing well. They can't hold a candle to this offense. Miami is the best team in the National Football League right now. I couldn't agree more with you right there. I think they don't. They obviously don't have the best quarterback in the league, but I think they have the best roster in the league. Their secondary has some injuries, but who cares when Ramsey comes back in the playoffs when you need him the most? Doesn't matter. If he gets you to a Super Bowl, even if you lose, the Dolphins made a Super Bowl for the first time since the Marino era. If they win, easily could see it because like we both just said, they have the best roster in the league. And if, God forbid, Tua does go down, they at least have a backup this year in Mike White that can play until Tua gets back. That is very true. And that's something that they didn't have last year because you were marching out Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson is not an NFL quarterback. I don't even know if he's an XFL quarterback, to be honest with you. He did not look good. But, Jake, I think Mike McDaniel's also gathering a lot of Coach of the Year honors here. I think he has a good a chance as anyone to win it with how he's got this team playing. And another thing, Jake, like you said, Jalen Ramsey is going to come back in December. And when he does come back, this defense is going to be even better. Xavier Howard, he's been playing pretty well. And then you add Jalen Ramsey, who when we last saw him, he was shutting people down still. He may not be what he once was, but he absolutely should still be considered a top cornerback in this league. And like I said, this is the best team in the NFL at this moment. Now, as always, remember, this is fluid. Anyone can be the best team at any point, unless you're the Bears. But I definitely want to say at this moment, as we're recording this, heading into week four, they are the best team in football. And I don't think it's particularly close. No, it's like... I said, I think the one thing we can agree is obviously they don't have the, the a top three quarterback at the helm right now, but they have a top five quarterback at the helm. Absolutely. At this moment, there's no question about it. But Jake, moving on to our Thursday night football recap from when we're recording this, we record on Fridays. Jake, we had the Lions take down your Packers in a game that really wasn't close, it was 27-3 at halftime. The Packers come back a little bit in the second half, kind of make it a game, but the Lions end up winning it 34-20. to And Jake, I'm going to be honest with you. Jordan Love finally faced adversity, and he shrunk. Now, granted, they did not have really much that they could do. 
he got sacked five times, which lets me know that Aiden Hutchinson was just absolutely swamping that offensive line. He had one and a half sacks. You had John Kaminsky with a sack. Alan McNeil with a sack, Isaiah Bugs with a sack, Charles Harris got in on the action. Jake, they this Lions defense had 11 quarterback hits and five sacks on Jordan Love. And this running game, Jake, they ran the ball 12 times for 27 yards. You cannot have that. I know Aaron Jones is coming back off of an injury, but A.J. Dillon, you have no excuse. Five carries for 11 yards? You're clearly showing why you were the second back and honestly, why I would not be surprised if you got flat out released. Now, Jake, your team did have Christian Watson back in a limited capacity. Now, he did have a touchdown, two catches, 25 yards and that touchdown. But Jake, I'm still confident in your Packers. I think this is a really rough matchup against a very good divisional opponent, but are you worried about your Packers, especially with that O-line giving up five sacks and 11 quarterback hits against a pass rush that really seemed meh outside of Aiden Hutchinson in the first three weeks? I am worried because injuries have killed the left side of our line. David Bottiari is on IR again. I saw it said best. The guy got a fluke injury three years back and it's been affecting him ever since he went from having a gold jacket type of career to the hall of very good because he can't stay healthy. I don't blame that on Bakhtiari at all. I want to see him play because when he plays, he's a top three best pass protecting left tackle in the league. Holton Jenkins. He's not on IR, but he's still not playing. That's probably the best left side in football. If not number two, I think The things I'm worried about is, I think you are right, Love did face adversity for the first time, but a lot of what he faced, it came from that left side. I think if Matt LaFleur can figure out what's going on with that left side, hopefully it gets better. I think Rich Bisaccia needs to sit down with the special teams and figure out what the fuck is going on. I have no faith in Joe Barry. If the Packers' defense does something, it's going to be because of the amount of talent they have on that defense. Joe Barry is a hack. I usually keep my mouth shut on Barry because I really don't give a flying hoot about him, but I'm getting sick and tired of him. When you have David Montgomery getting three rushing touchdowns and you only have two two actual D-line on the 10-yard line, yeah, they're going to run it down your throat. He needs to fucking get kicked out or stop shitting the bed i agree and jake david montgomery carried the ball 32 times you didn't even really see jameer gibbs he only had he only carried it eight times for 40 yards and i'm gonna get on ben johnson a little bit who i have really not a whole lot to complain about with because ben johnson has been a very good offensive coordinator why are you running the ball inside with Jameer Gibbs? I understand that he's bigger than most people think, but take advantage of that speed and get to that edge. I thought that there were a lot of opportunities on that edge to torch your Packers defense. And Jake, what is with Quay Walker and just dumb football? 
I swear he's married to it. You get kicked out of two games last year for being an absolute dumbass. And then you clearly, you jump over the line in a way that has been banned because of my Seahawks. You give them a 15-yard penalty after they've kicked the field goal, and then they knock in another touchdown. When I look at your Green Bay team as a whole, Jake, I see a team that is being held back by its own mistakes. They have all this talent, all this potential, but they just play dumb football. And when I look at the Lions, I see a team that could potentially be competing for the NFC Championship game. I mean, this running game, when you're able to run the ball 43 times and you're averaging almost five yards a carry, that's massive. That is just, that is old school smash mouth football, but it's effective, especially with Jared Goff being able to operate then off of play action, getting the ball to Josh Reynolds, getting it to Amon Ross St. Brown, getting it to Sam Laporta. When you're able to run this ball like this, Jake, your defense is going to be fresh always, and they're always going to be able to go quarterback hunting. Because if a team can't run the ball on this defense, which I think there are some opportunities, not a lot, but some, this team, this team's going to be making some noise, Jake. And I have no doubt on that. Oh, easy. And the thing that the Jumeir Gibbs running inside, I have a little bit of gripe with that, but I think he needs to get better as an inside zone runner so he can be in an all-around back. Outside zone, he's phenomenal at. Screens, catching the ball, probably already top 10 in the league at. My favorite play was probably the Khalif Raymond rush for 40 yards. That just came out of fucking nowhere. He just absolutely ran by everyone, followed the blocks, and it was just it was just perfect. But, Jake, moving on to our Eyes on 5 for week 4, and I'm going to start off with my first game, and I'm not looking forward to waking up super early for this, but I'm going to. We have Falcons-Jaguars in London, and Jake, this is a game that both teams desperately need. You look at the Falcons, you lose to the Lions in pretty embarrassing fashion. You had to basically force Desmond Ritter, who isn't all that great, to throw the ball way more than he ever should be. Bijan Robinson needs to have a big day. Now, this Jaguars defense is very, very susceptible, and they will give up a ton of yards. The only thing that I'm worried about is can this Falcons team take advantage of it? We know that Arthur Smith basically wants to run the ball 50 times, and in his mind, he probably wouldn't throw the ball ever. And to me, I think that is brain dead, but whatever. On the Jaguars' side, though, Jake, the Jaguars need this win. You are 1-2, and and you just got blown out by your division rival Texans with a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud that heading into this season... Most people didn't think we're all, was all that great. A lot of people were, were saying that the Texans shouldn't even draft him. I believe in Trevor Lawrence. Like I said, he was my pick to win MVP. I liked this offense. I liked what it could be bringing with Calvin Ridley joining this team fresh off of his suspension. I thought that this Jaguars team 
would be way better than they are currently. They've looked bad, Jake. They need this win in London, which they basically have a home field advantage because they're here pretty much every year. And I think they're going to have another game next week here. But Jaguars are favored by three. I might actually take the Falcons plus three here because unless that Jaguars offense can put up a ton of points, I don't trust that defense. Oh, easy. The Jags defense outside of like Josh Allen, I really don't trust anybody on that defense. Trevon Walker, the first overall pick from last year, really hasn't shown Jack since he got drafted last year. He's had flashes, but he hasn't really shown anything of value to be the number one overall pick. While the number two overall pick in Aiden Hutchinson has been playing lights out as a rookie and really improving this year. The Falcons' defense, I think, is going to be able to do a good amount of work for that game. I think, Jake, overall... This is a game I could see the Falcons winning and get to 3-1. and one, But I really... There's a fa- small part of a fan in me that is wanting the Jaguars to win this, get to 2-2, two and two, and still have a chance to win this honestly laughable division. But it's going to have to start with this game. If they don't win this game, Jake, I think that we're going to have to have some serious concerns about this Jaguars team as a whole. Not so much on Trevor Lawrence, but on this defense. Because, Jake, this defense is just bad. And if you let the Falcons run all over you, then you're screwed. But, Jake, going into your first game, what are you going to be looking at? I am going to be looking at the Los Angeles Rams and the Indianapolis Colts. I want to see what Anthony Richardson coming back from concussion protocol can do against a Rams defense that has actually been playing better than what we thought they would. I think that Aaron Donald is probably going to wreck the interior for the Colts and we're going to see a lot of quick passes and probably a lot of screens. We're probably also going to see a lot of outside zone because Zach Moss is not going to want to meet Aaron Donald in the middle. Oh, I know I wouldn't. I'd have the same reaction as Geno Smith did in week one. Oh my God. But Jake, this is an interesting game because the line is pick'em, which lets me know that Vegas and betters are not trusting the Rams quite yet. They're thinking that this team is more what we saw this past Monday night than what they saw in the first two weeks. A team that blew out Seattle and hung with the Ram or the Niners and gave them all they could handle. Now, the Colts, the fact that they're 2-1 and one is pretty shocking to me because I look at this Colts team, outside of Anthony Richardson, I don't see a ton of talent. I'm very surprised how they're operating on offense and on defense. Now, I don't trust Zach Moss in the long term because he's just not very good. He did have a fantastic game last week, but overall, I don't think he's all that good. I think that Anthony Richardson, if he's coming back, and I'm pretty sure he is, I would be keeping an eye on Michael Pittman having a good game, Alec Pierce having a good game, because I think that there's a chance that Anthony Richardson takes a couple deep shots 
And if they can come down with it, this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. But Matthew Stafford has to win this game to keep pace in the NFC West. The Seahawks are 2-1 and one and they have the Giants. I think that they can beat the Giants. That's not just me being a Seahawks fan. I just don't trust the Giants as a whole because, well, they've looked bad. The Niners, they're 3-0, and Jake. And they're going mm. to be playing the Cardinals, a divisional matchup. They win that, they're going to be 4-0, and that is going to be 2-0 in the division. They already hold a tiebreaker over the Rams. The Rams need this game to keep pace with the Seahawks because they are already behind the eight ball with the Niners. I would look for Puka Nakua to get plenty of targets. And I'm trusting that Kyron Williams will get a lot better of a workload and a lot more touches to be able to operate. And I think he's going to be more of what we saw in the first two weeks than what we saw against this Bengals pass rush and just defense overall. But Jake, I would keep an eye mainly on the offensive line for the Rams because I think that if the Colts win this game, it's going to come down to the left tackle of the Rams, a backup. I understand why this is even. If you force me to pick, I would probably actually take the Colts now that I'm thinking about it. I think I'd be believing in the Colts, at least in this game, if the Rams can't shore up that left tackle spot because Matthew Stafford's old and he's not very mobile. That is a very big concern. It really is. That left tackle spot for the Rams is definitely going to be big. Ever since Whitworth retired, it has been a revolving door at that spot. They just can't find anybody to really fit that position and fit it well. The Colts, I have them in this game too. I think their defense is going to do just good enough. and They still have Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner in their middle. They're going to be looking to stop that run game and make sure Kyron Williams doesn't do jack all. I think the big news for Rams fans is after this week, reports have said from Sean McVay that Cooper Cup is looking to come off of IR. So this is the last week we are more than likely going to have Cooper Cup not on the field, which when he's on the field, I love. I do too, and they're going to need that because you need another outlet for Matthew Stafford to have these four or five yard passes to get the ball out of his hands quickly and avoid pass rushes. But Jake, going into my second game, and Jake, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that Cardinals 49ers game, mainly because of the fact that it is a divisional matchup in the NFC West. Now you can argue that I have some ulterior motives being a Seahawks fan, and not being a very big Niners fan, but Jake, we saw the Cardinals upset a Cowboys team that was favored by 12 and a half. When you lose by two t scores and you were favored by two scores, that's demoralizing for the team that was favored, but that is such a boost of confidence for a team like the Cardinals, who you look at Joshua Dobbs, he's not a franchise quarterback but he's capable and I think this is going to be a very real test for the Cardinals because they won a game which we definitely did not think they'd win a game against the Cowboys if anyone but on the Niners side 
if they win this game, that puts them with a firm stranglehold of this division. You're 4-0 and you're 2-0 in the division. You could lose to Seattle both times. And if you wipe the floor with the other two teams and the NFC West, it wouldn't matter. Now, I don't think that Seattle is going to wipe the floor with the Niners in both games. I said in our predictions that they'd probably split, but I think that San Francisco being favored by 14, that's tough because I would probably stay away from it. But being that it's a divisional matchup, Jake, we've seen how these are. These are slugfests usually. Oh yeah. And I think the 14 is a little too much. If you would have said 10, Okay, I can get behind that because the Niners are a top two team in the NFC and a top five team in the league. I think one matchup that only a few people are talking about is I want to see what Paris Johnson can do to stop this pass rush. I think we're going to see a lot of Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson on Paris. I think he can handle Drake's power. I want to see how he handles Nick Bosa's finesse. Because that is the one thing I was worried with Paris when coming out. Like, he handles power very good. It's the speed guys that he has a little trouble with. And I, if he can handle Nick Bosa, shit, I'm okay with planting my flag and saying, here you go, Cardinals. Here's your franchise right tackle, maybe even left tackle. For sure. And that's something that you definitely need in this league, Jake. You need to be able to have a very rock-solid O-line especially at right tackle or left tackle for that matter, depending on what hand your quarterback throws with. We look at Tua, their right tackle is, it's so vital because he's left-handed. That's his blind side. He can see the left and evade that. He can't see the right. Now, Jake, with this game, like you said, if it had been 10, then I would maybe be buying in on the Niners But 14, if you forced me to pick, I would probably pick the Cardinals. But I could also see this game getting very ugly because, Jake, we look at Brock Purdy. He doesn't make very many mistakes. He's got four touchdowns so far, and he doesn't have a pick on the year yet. And we're heading into week four. I would look at Purdy to have a pretty good game against this Cardinals defense because they're young, and I don't think they're all that good. I really don't. I would look at the 49ers defense I would start them if you're a fantasy player because I think that if this game turns into a blowout quick you could probably get a couple turnovers here and probably four or five sacks give you a nice little point sum but Jake what is your second game as we move forward with our eyes on five my second game is going to be the Steelers Texans I told you at the beginning of the year I love this Texans team low-key. I didn't think that they were going to be a top three, top five overall pick. I said anywhere from 12 to 14. CJ Stroud was named NFL Rookie of the Month. And for damn good reason. The kid literally has broken the record for the most amount of passes to start a career to not throw a pick for a rookie. He has been playing very, very good. Will Anderson has been playing pretty damn good as well. And Tank Dell, Mr. Short Stuff himself, 
popped off last week for five catches for 140-something yards and a touchdown. You have some of the most basic components to build a winning roster with those three right there. A damn good pass catcher, a damn good pass rusher, and a damn good thrower of the football. I love what I'm seeing from this young Texan squad. D'Amico Ryans is bringing out the heat. I think they're going to beat the Steelers. Even with the Steelers' pass rush, I think see, I think that Stroud's going to get hit and hit a lot. But the one thing he has shown that a lot of rookies have not shown, he's not afraid to be in the pocket and getting pe- pressured all the time. He handles it like it's nothing. He handles it like a 10-year vet. I mean, sure, he's going against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and the rest of that defense, which is terrible, which is terrifying as shit. But I think Kenny Pickett, if he's going to have to have a game to show that he is bounced back from the sophomore slump, this is going to have to be the one. This is a tale of two tales for both these teams. For sure. And Jake, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Texans to win this. Pittsburgh is favored by two and a half. I would take the Texans plus two and a half by far because I look at this Steelers team and like you said, I would not be surprised if CJ Stroud gets hit a lot. I still don't trust that Texans O-line outside of Laramie Tunzel, but when you think about Stroud, like you said, most passes to start a career without throwing a pick, and then not only that, he's third in most yards through a rookie's first three games behind Cam Newton and I believe Patrick Mahomes, that's good company to be in. Or no, Herbert. It's Herbert. But when I look at this game, it's going to come down to me. The Texans we saw can put up points. They put up 37 on a Jaguars defense. That's not all that great. Now you are bumping up in competition just a little bit, but I don't think that this Steelers team can score. If they're going to win this game, they're going to need a defensive touchdown. And I don't know if you can force Stroud into a careless mistake when he has shown so far, he's very cautious with where he throws the football. Now, I think that Tank Dell is going to have a monster game. He has a connection with Stroud. He got drafted because of CJ Stroud. And when I look specifically at these Steelers corners, I'm not really scared of them outside of Patrick Peterson, who is a veteran presence and is a fantastic corner, even at his advanced age, you can avoid him. And I think that D'Amico Rines has established a culture that is tough, that is physical on defense. And I would look at this game as a coming out party for the Texans. But Jake, moving on to our final game, and Probably this the is the game the that, week. yeah, the game of the week, the game that you and I are both going to be keeping our eyes on. And there's no question. It's going to be a fireworks show. You have the dolphins heading to orchard park to face the bills and Jake, the bills are favored by two and a half. I am really questioning that. I would absolutely take the dolphins plus two and a half. And if you can get dolphins plus three, that's even better because Jake, the bills defense We've talked about them a good bit. They're older, but they are a very good defense. They haven't ran into speed like this, though. You got Devon A-Chain, Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I think, might be back. 
this is a team that is basically a 4x4 relay team. And I don't think you can... I don't think you can cover this much speed, especially with the amount of motion that Mike McDaniel likes to use. I believe it's something like 83% of their plays involve motion, which is most 70, of the league. 70 to 75, if I remember right. I think it was higher than that. It is by far the most of anyone in the league. The only one that's even remotely close is San Francisco. Where did Mike McDaniel come from? The Kyle Shanahan tree. And so... When I'm watching this game, Jake, I'm going to be focused on the chess match between Mike McDaniel and Sean McDermott. Offense, defense. These are how these teams are going to win this game. The Bills are going to win this game if they can slow down this Dolphins offense. And the Dolphins are going to win this game if they just score. Because I don't know, we know the Bills can put up points. And Josh Allen has looked very good over these last two weeks after an absolute all-time stinker in week one against the Jets I don't know if he's going to be able to do this one I like the Dolphins in this one what do you think I think if the Bills can't win this they're going to be down 2-2 and Dolphins are going to be up 4-0 the Bills this is a must-win game for them if Miami loses this it's not a do-or-die scenario but if Buffalo loses this it's going to be damn close to a do-or-die because if you're one of the juggernauts in this in the AFC, you can't be two and two. You have to be three and one or undefeated. Because if you're gonna try to get the number one seat, you gotta be at least thirteen and four, twelve and five. If Miami wins this game, it's gonna just gonna show that even more they can hang with the top three teams in the AFC. Or, they, or that Tua can hang with the likes of Allen, Burrow, and Mahomes. It, I love the way you put it. Yeah, it is a 4x4 relay team on the Dolphins offense. It is disgusting. And I think that if the Bills have a chance of winning this, they got to get after Tua a lot. You're going to have to. That's the only way, I think, to slow down this Dolphins offense. You're going to have to get to Tua. You're going to have to hit him early and often because if you don't, who knows? They put up 70 last week, and if not for Mike McDaniel mercy, they could have broken the record with a field goal with 48 seconds left to go in the game. They decided to kneel the ball out. I don't think they can get 70 on this Bills defense, but I don't think 35 to 40 is out of the question if they get rolling because as we saw last week, once they got going, there was nothing you could do to stop them. But Jake, moving into our final segment, which is a new one, we're going to be doing our hot take of the week. Now, I know that I have one. You also have one as well. I'm going to let you go first. What is your hot take this week? I think if Jimmy G doesn't play this week, Aiden O'Connell is going to come out and beat the fucking Chargers. Really? I think Chargers fall to 1-3. and three. And I think Raiders go to two and two. The big reason, I think Aiden O'Connell, he's a damn, he showed a lot in the preseason. There's not a lot of tape on the Rook. So they don't really have a lot to go off of. They'd have to go back to college tape to see what he likes to do. Also, Austin Eckler is doubtful. The one that's really going to hurt him, Derwin James, is doubtful for this game too. I think the Raiders 
are gonna have a fire lit underneath them with the rook and they're gonna unlock part of their passing game by actually being, being able to go intermediate to deep because Aiden O'Connell can do that he's not afraid to throw it deep and he like you mentioned earlier in the podcast he's not immobile like Jimmy G he can move quite a bit he's like Brock Purdy in that regard oh for sure and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, Jake, because you also have the element of surprise. There's a reason why when we saw Jacksonville and Indianapolis play in week one, Anthony Richardson was effective. Now, granted, they lost the game, but it was a lot closer than I think a lot of people would have thought because of how raw Anthony Richardson was. I think that if Aiden O'Connell is the man that starts... I would not be surprised if they beat the Chargers. Now, I think that losing Austin Eckler again, now they have a bye in week five, which I understand why they want to err on the side of caution. But when you look at this division and this conference as a whole, you cannot fall behind this early on and just think you're going to make up the ground. I think that if they come out of the bye and they lose in week six... I think Staley is getting fired, and I don't even think it's going to be hard to promote Kellen Moore to head coach. My hot take of the week, Jake, plain and simple, the Giants are closer to Caleb Williams than they are to the playoffs. Because this Giants team has just been an absolute embarrassment. You look at a team like this where you have Daniel Jones get paid, you have this absolute nightmare fiasco with your star player in Saquon Barkley, and then you get blown out week one, 40 to nothing. You were down 20 to nothing against the Cardinals before you came back and won. And then you get blown out in primetime Thursday night football against Brock Purdy and the Niners. I look at this team, Jake. If they lose to my Seahawks, I would not be surprised if they end up dropping even further from one and three. And I think that they could easily fall apart. I think Saquon Barkley will get traded. Now, they could definitely use a tackle. But at this point, if Daniel Jones keeps showing you what he has shown you, which is not very much, I'd be very, very worried about sticking with him. Because you do realize he only signed 40 mil a year. That is at least somewhat movable. Now, I don't know who would trade for him. I don't think he has much of a market. But Jake, this is a team that is teetering towards the edge of a top five pick, in my opinion. I can understand where you're coming from. And that was kind of your big thing at the beginning of the year. Because you did say that those guys could be looking at like a Drake May or Caleb Williams or Michael Penix type situation. Which, with how they've looked, unless Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka can pull a rabbit out of their ass and say, Peekaboo, we're back. I think a top 5 to top 10 pick is definitely not out of the question. I don't think it's out of the question at all. I think it is going to happen. But Jake, as we look ahead to next week's 
Thursday night football game, which is going to be Bears Commanders. This is sort of our final closing thoughts of this podcast. What are you going to be looking at this game with Bears Commanders in week five? I'm going to be looking over at the over-under for the Commanders sack count. <laughs> I think we're going to see Chase Young at least get two sacks <laughs> this game because he's definitely athletic enough and probably the most athletic pass rusher besides Montez Sweat. I think we're going to see three sacks, maybe even four sacks just from the edge rushers. That's not counting Deron Payne and all the other rotational and starter DTs they have on that D-line. Fields is going to get killed. It's like you said earlier, prepare the Undertaker music. Yeah, Jonathan Allen is licking his chops right now with that weak offensive line. Yeah, the Commanders right now, the line, Jake, is Commanders favored by five. I would not be surprised if that rises even more if the Bears lose to the Broncos. And I do think that they will drop to 0-4. Caleb Williams' family has already said that they're going to be keeping an eye on who gets that number one overall pick. And he's not afraid to stay in school. There's a very high possibility that if the Bears get the number one overall pick, you better start looking at Drake May and Michael Penix. Because Caleb has almost guaranteed he is not going to Chicago to play Easy. for this dumpster fire of an organization. But anyway, that is going to be the end of this episode of Run Past the Brain Cell. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for Jake Miller, I'm Adam Skirko. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take it easy.